0: Well, tonight uh, we're going to have our own Pastor Kirsten Davis. Praise the Lord. Hey, i got a great word for you. And uh, why don't you take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew. It's Easter weekend. We're celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. And I want to look at an interesting interaction Jesus had with one of his disciples. In fact, all of his disciples because they were all together there. And I want you to look at his response. This is sometime before he was crucified, sometime before he even went to Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 16. And I want to point out two things in this interaction. There's a lot we could preach and pull out of this particular passage, Matthew chapter 16. There's a lot we could focus on. I want to focus on two things today. In the time that we have left here. Matthew chapter 16. I'm so glad there's so many kids here tonight. The fact that there's kids here tonight means there's parents here tonight. bringing your kids to church. It's not an option in my house. Get in the car. Ah. We generally take naps on Sunday afternoons because we get up early, we work hard. We get home around 2. We're still cleaning up when most everybody's gone on Sunday morning. And then my kids (laughs) try to get them in the van. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. When I was a kid, it didn't matter how hard I pretended I was going to church. It didn't matter how hard I was pretending I was sick. You're going to church. kind of thankful today for that. Matthew 16, there's a very interesting conversation that takes here, place here that has everything to do with Easter weekend. I'm going to pick up reading from uh, verse 21, and then we're going to pray. It says, from the time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law. And then he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Let's take a moment to pray. God, I pray for an anointing right now to declare the word that you've given me. I've asked you what you want want us to hear tonight. Lord, I believe this is what you've spoken to me. So give me an anointing to declare it, I pray. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is such an interesting uh, passage. There's a lot of different angles. We could look at this and pick out what to preach about. We could preach about Peter. We could preach about Jesus' statement to him. I want to share with you two things. The first thing I want to share with you, as we look at the three sections, maybe the three sections of this passage, first we see Jesus alluding to his death and resurrection, talking about it, I'm sure it was discomforting for his disciples who loved him so much to hear him talking about that. But he alluded to it here in this passage. He was going to die. He was going to be raised again. Uh, The second part of this passage is Peter's attempt to derail him from the mission that he had been sent for. And then the last one is Jesus responds adamantly. And so I want to focus on two things. The first is... And this is what one thing I want us to hear is Jesus refused to be derailed. Jesus refused to be derailed. See, Jesus knew what his purpose was. He knew why God, his father, had sent him to the earth. He knew what the father's plan was. He knew what the father's command was. He was fully convicted of what his role was going to be. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He was well aware of all the prophetic words that he was going to fulfill. He is the living word. It's not like anything was going to accidentally happen to him that he didn't know was going to happen. He was fully God and fully man. He was both. How does that happen? I don't have to know how that happens. It just does. He knew he was going to be betrayed. He knew he was going to be rejected. He knew he was going to have to suffer. He knew he was going to be humiliated. He knew he was going to be mocked. He knew he would have to obey his father to the point of dying, even death on a cross. It wasn't going to be fun. And he knew that. He was committed to the Father's plan to the very end. There was a determination within him to fulfill the Father's plan. He knew what was required of him. When Peter approached him with those words, with a rebuke, I like to think, That my picture came in his mind when he said, I'm not doing that. And your picture came in his mind. Peter comes up to him to rebuke him. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. Let's come up with a different plan. Jesus, in that moment, refused the option of self-will. We all face this uh, human nature. Jesus was fully man. Does anybody here enjoy being humiliated? No, no, no. Nobody here likes the feeling inside you when those closest to you have betrayed you. You ever had somebody really close to you betray you? Only people close to you can betray you. Somebody that don't know you can't betray you. Jesus knew it was coming. Peter's coming to talk with him. To maybe try to present to him some other option to come up with. I'm quite certain in that moment where Peter's talking to him, all the things he knew he was going to go through are there present in his mind. But he chooses, he chooses to not take the option of self-will. Peter's attempt is the very attempt we all face, living in a mortal body where self-preservation is our number one goal. The humanness in us wants to survive. The humanness in us doesn't want to be embarrassed, doesn't want to endure pain. The selfish, sinful nature within us doesn't want to deal with those things. Our flesh doesn't want to deal with those doesn't want to endure those things, doesn't want to feel those things. It's the part of us that wants to cheat to get ahead. It's that nature within us to get to the top without paying the price to get to the top. Anybody familiar with that? What's the fastest way can I, that I can get there? Okay, can I get there any faster? Is there any steps I can skip along the way and still achieve the same goal? Jesus knew what that was like. He was fully man. I'm quite certain he probably had thoughts of, how can I accomplish the Father's will without the cross? Is it possible to accomplish what God wants me to accomplish without getting betrayed, humiliated, beat, spit on, made fun of, and hang on a cross, humiliated, and die? Is there any other way? Is anybody familiar with the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if there's any other way to do this. Anybody familiar with that? It's such a human prayer. That's you and I prayer too. Is there any other way to do this? The humanness of Jesus is coming through in that prayer. And Peter, in his attempt to talk to Jesus, is appealing to that part of him. Jesus has heard it before. Anybody know a time that Jesus has heard those words before? That option to, to give in early, to get maybe some kind, of, uh, some kind of reward? He's in the wilderness, been fasting. I don't know if you understand what it means to fast for 40 days. Your brain doesn't even think right. Your body sure doesn't think right. And here, when Jesus is in the wilderness, those same attempts to derail him came at him. He recognized him. Oh, here it comes again. It's an attempt to derail me from God's purpose, God's plan, the Father's plan. It's the part of him, that humanness part of him that, that declares, I'll obey God if it's easy. We have that too. If it's easy, I'll do what God said what God says. Sometimes we take it as a suggestion instead of a command. Sometimes we approach serving the Father in a be your own boss mentality. It doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. He's the Father. He's the boss. Jesus in His humanness with Peter talking to Him has to deal with the same things you and I have to deal with. That's what I'm drawing from. How you and I would respond. We tend to put God's commands through a self-test. What is the cost going to really be and do I just am I willing to do that? Jesus responded to Peter very harshly, as you can see there in the text. He resp- responded to him brutally. Jesus doesn't play around with, with sin. He doesn't suggest that we play around with it. He doesn't suggest we play around with disobeying. He doesn't play around with disobedience. Jesus plays hardball. Jesus, many times his responses were very harsh. It's kind of hard to swallow. Pluck your eye out, really? Cut off my cut off my arm. Whoa. Those are some pretty harsh words. Jesus deals with uh, his uh, words regarding the sin in our life are brutal. Take no prisoners when it comes to self. So Jesus refused to be derailed, and I'm so glad he did. I'm not in a sinner's hell today because at that moment, Jesus said, I'm not doing that plan. Get behind me, Satan. I will not be derailed I will fulfill what the Father purposed me to do and be and become. You too. Me too. We're celebrating today because on that day, He didn't give in to the humanness within Him. He overcame the humanness. You can overcome the humanness because Jesus did. He got victory right there over that stinky humanness you can too. I can too. I can walk in victory. So can you. We all have to overcome it. I have a two-year-old. Is she in the back? I have a two-year-old. Anybody else have two-year-olds in your house? Age two and three happens to be my favoriteish years for my own kids. I'll make that clear. I've been around other two- and three-year-olds. It's not my favorite time. I've been around a lot of kids. I love age two and three. Everything they do is so cute. It's so hard to discipline them. My little girl is the princess of all princesses. She wears a princess dress every day, sometimes two at one time. She sleeps in her princess dress. She... Wears the shoes. She likes the accessories to go with it. So adorable. Her her favorite thing to do is go shopping. She's two. Help! She loves to play with her brothers and sisters. But there is something happens to her the moment you take the toy she's playing with. Or you don't fix what she wanted for dinner. Yeah, 2 years old I'm pretty hard headed but I've met my match She's got her own opinion about what should be served for dinner <laughs> Just the, <laughs> just yesterday I was getting ready for something and I wasn't quite fully clothed yet, and I had, just didn't have my shirt on yet. And I came into the kitchen, and I was talking with Kimmy, and we're trying to get things ready for Easter, and all the kids, and we're, we're talking business, and my daughter says, Daddy, go put a shirt on. I started laughing. I, yes, ma'am. My daughter has the same reaction most two- and three-year-olds do when you take the toy she's playing with. She doesn't become a princess anymore. Still got the dress on. Still got the shoes. Something else happens. Claws appear on her hand. I'm exaggerating for emphasis, right? That's part of the fun of the story. Anyway, but she starts responding very not ladylike, very not princess like. Every child does that. Some kind of phenomenon. Where are they learning that from? Is there some kind of class at school how to be selfish? What are you guys teaching back there in the preschool? How to freak out when mom doesn't serve what you want for dinner. Nobody has to teach you to be selfish. Automatic. Somebody has to teach you not to be selfish. That's mom and dad's job. It's mom and dad's job to teach their children how to respond, self control. Did you know that when you, just a side note from the children's pastor, when you demand obedience from your child and have repercussions when they don't obey immediately, you are absolutely setting them up to live for God the rest of their life. If you're of the parenting style when you're going to count to 78 before you expect them to obey, they're in for a rude awakening when they think God's going to do the same thing to them. I'll get really upset. I'm better going. When you teach your children to be self controlled, when you give them the concept that they don't have to do what their body wants them to do, or what their temper wants them to do, or what their selfishness wants them to do, you are setting them up to obey God way easier. When they grow up having this concept, that they can sit still. Got really quiet. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that they'll sit still through a two-hour movie at the theater. Whoops. Is it in my notes? That wasn't in my notes, Pastor Daniel. Sorry. Sorry. I'm supposed to preach short. I'll, I'll keep it shorter. So Jesus refused to be derailed. He didn't let that humanness overcome him. Second thing is D- Jesus makes discipleship plain to his disciples. He basically just kicks them in the gut and says, here's the real deal. Let me give it to you plain. He can't make it any plainer than this. He's kind of alluded to it before. Wise and foolish builders, guys. There's wise and foolish builders. Straight and narrow gate, wide gate. He's kind of alluded to some things, but right here, he's not pulling any punches. He gives it to them straight. Verse 24, I want to give you these four things, and then I'll start the first closing first thing uh, in verse 24 if you're a note taker write this down this is Jesus laying it straight on discipleship self cannot be Lord in your life self cannot be Lord in your life take up that cross deny yourself Take up your cross. See, his disciples knew what he was talking about when he said cross. They were well aware of what the cross was. They've probably seen it more than once, heard about it. Everybody in that region that was under Roman rule knew what a cross was really about. So when he said, deny yourself, take up your cross, I'm sure they went, ooh, yikes, that's as gruesome as it can get. That was level 10. On a scale of 1 to 10, it was a 15. Pick up your cross. Self cannot be Lord. Verse 24. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The second thing is finders weepers, losers keepers. Wait a minute, isn't that backwards? Yes, that's correct. It's backwards. It's backwards from the world's philosophy. But the Jesus philosophy is losers keepers, finders weepers. Did you like that? So it's learning a new uh, perspective on life. You've got to unlearn the worldly way. You've got to learn the Jesus model. Finders, weepers, losers, keepers. Verse 25, let's look at that. For Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will find it. It's very backwards from the way the world promotes what is success. What is success? I just met with the KSM students yesterday and I gave them my personal definition for success. It's knowing what God created me to do, doing it with everything I've got, and standing before Him to hear Him say, well done. Did you like that one too? You can watch this online later too, and you can just re-watch it over and over again. Knowing what I was created to do, doing it with everything I've got, and standing before God and hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's try that on for a definition of success. Finders, weepers, losers, keepers. Whatever you've given up for his sake, you didn't really lose it. But I don't see it. It's because it's not up to your time. We have our own time frames about following Jesus. That's the humanness in us. That's the humanness. Uh, Where's it at? If I don't see it, I'm giving up already. Uh, So B, we did that, verse 25. Take a look look at verse 26. Letter C, Jesus makes discipleship plain. The third thing is he makes clear what is at stake. Uh, Verse 26, what good is it for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Some say loses. Loses. Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? He's bringing back to, the, to their attention that there's a reality beyond the things they can see with their eyes. There's a rea- he's, bringing, he's defining reality for them. What good is it if you've got all these things you're chasing after, but the one thing that you want to keep forever, you just don't know it yet, you can't keep it. What is really at stake? You can lose eternally for the way you live in a mortal body. However you act in the mortal body will have eternal repercussions. That's what he's trying to say to them. Aim for the other ones. Stop aiming for the things that are going to go away. They're going to get stolen or broken or get ugly. Aim for the things that don't go that way what's at stake here and then the last thing that he makes plain is judgment is coming and there's a reward coming with it the son of man is coming he's talking about himself here the son of man is going to come in his father's glory and he will reward each person according to what he has done he is give them giving them yet another picture of reality That at the end of time, something's going to happen, they can't escape, and they're going to stand before God. Listen, Judgment Day will be the scariest day you've ever heard of in your life. It's you and God. And on that day, there's reward, and then there's not reward. It's scary. I start thinking back of things I've done, wondering what my motivation was when I did those things. Because God even knows what my motivation is. I don't know that I could even tell you what it was. But He knows. My time is almost up. But I want to encourage you to follow Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus. He said, if anyone would come after me. See, it's not something you have to do. It's your choice to follow Him. Trade your will. Secondly following Jesus. Trade your will for God's will. Jesus gave us the example, not my will, yours be done. If you need to change course, repent, change course, start down a new road of doing God's will. There's a scary verse of scripture in the Bible, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's try it again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't sound right. Wait wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. He gives the exception. But only the person who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, only the person who does my will will enter the kingdom of heaven. Trade your will for God's will. Next, in following Jesus, set your sights on eternity. That's what he was telling them. Hebrews 12. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. Joy. Joy set before him. Cross. Shame. Joy set before him. He endured the cross. He looked past it, scorning its shame, knowing what's farther down the road. Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Set your sights on eternity. Last thing I want to encourage you to do is to join with others pursuing Jesus. You may need to change your, your, who you're hanging out with. Let me say it plain. You may have to change who you're hanging out with. If they're not helping you get closer to Jesus... You need to change that group. Get in a small group that's going to help you in, grow in, in Christ. Get where there's some accountability in your life. A small group is a great place to start. Join with others pursuing Jesus. Praise the Lord. Pastor Daniel, huh? Well, that's all my That's all my message today. Let's take time and pray. Praise the Lord. I just want to encourage you to follow Jesus. Let's all stand together this evening. Maybe you've never really given your life to Jesus. See, there's more than he's, he's more than just the Savior. Everybody loves the Savior part. Save me from, save me, save me. There's also, you got to make him your Lord part. He's got to be your Lord. Lord. Maybe you've asked Him to save you from your sins, but you've never made Him your Lord. You know you're following Jesus when He's the Lord. He's the boss, to say it in kind of terms we use. You may be here tonight and need to choose to follow Jesus. Maybe you need to re-choose to follow Jesus. Maybe you don't know if you've ever chosen to make Jesus your Savior and your Lord. This Easter is your day. Don't leave here without making Him your Lord. Maybe you need to recommit. Get right back on the track. Redirect your course. Maybe you've been pursuing your will and not God's will. Maybe you need to repent. Get it going back the right way again. Make a big turn in your life. Today's your day. This Easter is for you. When Jesus rebuked Peter... You and I were on His mind. Today we're going to take time to pray. I'm going to invite you to receive Jesus. Receive what He did on the cross for you. You receive what He did when you receive Him. When you receive Him in your life, you make Him your Lord, you make Him your Savior. You might need to do that tonight. In fact, let's just take a moment to pray. Why don't you, just for a moment, bow your head with me and Close your eyes. That's just so nobody else bothers us. Just take a moment to focus on the things that I've declared and things that I've tried to reveal from the Word. And ask yourself the serious question. Are you a real follower of Jesus? Is He your Savior and is He your Lord? If He's not, this Easter is for you. Don't leave here without making Him both. I want to ask you to be real honest with yourself and you're real honest with God. If you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand where I can see you. You're going to redirect it. You're going to start it over if you need to. You're going to repent and read, go, the, go a new course. I see your hands. There's a lot of hands. You can put your hands down. We're gonna take time to pray today. Maybe you live for, maybe you live for Jesus with all you got for a short while, and then things just got drifted away, disconnected. Maybe you want to reconnect with Jesus today. Get get going the right way. Let me see your hand if that's you. I'm gonna start it again. I'm gonna get right back on there. A lot of hands. That's right. This Easter's for you. It's the reason we had this service for you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to ask you to do something that doesn't take quite as much courage as it took Jesus to hang on the cross, but it does take courage. And That is to step out from where you're standing and come meet me and Pastor Daniel right down here. Pastor Alex is going to lead us in a simple song. As he begins to lead us, I'm going to invite you to step out from where you are Come meet Pastor Daniel right down here. Hey, Pastor Daniel. Lord, right. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. If you raised your hand, come meet me. There's kids, there's adults, there's whole families. Right now is the moment.
1: Right
0: now's that moment. Move to the middle right here. microphone to Pastor Daniel in just one moment, but I don't want to move on if you're standing there and you feel the Holy Spirit saying you should be down there. All it is is a simple walk right down the aisle. There ain't nobody going to shame you for walking down the aisle. So we're going to sing that one more brief time. And if that's you, step out from where you are. You feel like the Holy Spirit's just pulling on you. You don't feel you don't feel peace inside you. You feel uneasy. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. I'm gonna invite you, before we move on, I'm gonna invite you to make that declaration today. Pastor Alex, one more time if you would.
2: me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die on a cross for me and that he rose again from the grave for me. I ask you to forgive me now, to wash me and cleanse me from all of my sin and come into my heart and be my Lord, be my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray. That fill, and touch, and bless each and every one of these. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning. Thank you, Lord, that the old is gone. New has come. Thank you for washing away all sin. For oh, touch and fill and bless each and every one. Holy Spirit, come. Break every chain. Break every bondage. Release your power, God. Tonight. Upon these. Come on, Pastor Alex, lead us again. If you know the song, just lift your voice and sing, Lord, I give you my heart. that are around you and they're going to help, help you grow in the things of God and just get a little bit of information from you before we close here so leaders would you would you help us with that thank you so much did you get something from God tonight yeah. amen yeah. Pastor Kirsten thank you so much wonderful wonderful so appreciated our children's ministry and all the kids that sang on this resurrection Sunday we're going to go ahead and close as these are being ministered to. Let me just bless you. Feel free to stick around, hang out, and have a little bit of fellowship. We'll hope to see you Wednesday night. We're to say Wednesday night. Wednesday night, we're doing a series called The Overcomer, and I'm told that it is a life-changing word. You do not want to miss Wednesday night. I'll be preaching the third part in that series. Can't hardly wait to bring it. Next Saturday, April 2nd, We start our first Saturday night service so that we can reach more people and make room. We're capacity in all of our rooms in this building. So we had to open another night. We're excited about it. Saturday night, 6 p.m. So you come and be a part of that. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for what you've done today. God, all day long, Lord, for the hundreds and hundreds of people that came. Lord, and these that have come even now to give their hearts afresh, or even for the first time to you. Lord, bless your people. Bless those online, those that will even listen later, and Wednesday and this week. God, may the meditations of our heart and the words of our mouth be acceptable to you. May we live for You with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. May we not give in to that fallen human nature. May we not give in to that humanness, as Pastor Kirsten said, self-preservation.